listening, however you are listening, I hope you are having a fantastic day. This is your MWP, also known as your man with a plan, and this is episode 9. We got a fantastic show today, and we are actually starting with something that I didn't think would lead the show going into the week I had everything planned out. We are going to talk about the wildcard games, we are going to talk about the national championship, But I've got a little thing extra for you guys, and it's about quarterback for the Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson. So earlier this morning, I wake up, I'm scrolling through social media before I get out of bed, and I see that Deshaun Watson is not happy. He's been talking to teammates about wanting a trade out of Houston. Whoa, that is a lot of baggage, and it circulated through social media, and I didn't think much of it, but then... The titans of revealing social media posts with football and the big news, Rappaport, Schefter, Wojanowski. If you hear it from those guys, you know something's happening and something is going to happen fast. So, to quote Ian Rappaport, hashtag Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson is extremely unhappy with the organization after owner Cal McNair informed him he would be involved in the GM and coaching process and provide feedback. But then did neither in the hire of GM Nick Casario, sources say. Also, Deshaun Watson has not spoken to the Texans brass in the last few days, though they have tried to call him, end quote. Whoa. <laughs> that is a lot. You usually don't want to, if you're a fan of the Houston Texans, I'm sorry. You don't want to see that out of your star quarterback. Usually your goal is to keep him happy, you pay him, and then you build around him. The Texans paid him, and then they dug a hole. Why the Texans are here, earlier in the start of this channel, I said that Deshaun Watson would carry the Houston Texans to what they used to be in the playoffs, that would finish strong, go 8-8, eight and eight, play spoiler, potentially, to some playoff teams. And they were in a lot of games. It's just that Deshaun Watson is a bright spot in a 50-foot hole. It is just... I think that the Texans are the perfect example of why team football matters so much. Why Deshaun Watson plays winning football and his team is 4-12. Why Tom Brady, like, why did Tom Brady leave last offseason? Well, the team New England had wasn't very good. As you saw, they went 7-9. Cam Newton, even with all he could do, couldn't carry that roster to a playoff spot. And especially in a competitive AFC where there were so many good teams. I mean, a team that went 10-6 and six was left out of the postseason. So 4-12, and 12, obviously, not going to cut it. So Deshaun Watson potentially wants out of Houston. And there's so much that can happen with this. Maybe we have to wait a couple months and see the ramifications of this. The draft might be able to provide some answers that we're looking for. Or this gets taken care of now and Houston tries to capitalize on teams at the absolute importance of Deshaun Watson, go, oh, pick me, pick me, pick me. I want Deshaun Watson. That is who I want. Because many d- had doubts that without DeAndre Hopkins, does Deshaun Watson perform to his standard? He did. He was top five in almost every category. Was the passing crown, the, the passing leader for the NFL season, and did so many good things. I made the Texans, who were 4-11, 
a watchable team at the end of the year. Usually you're, you're two and 14 teams, you're three and 12. You're not watching them, but you're watching them for a player. And Deshaun Watson, obviously, is a very watchable quarterback. Make Houston Texans games pretty enjoyable this year to watch because it was all on him. So there were a lot of, hey, we're giving you the keys to the offense here. Go make something happen. We're desperate. And hopefully Deshaun Watson can get to a team, maybe Chicago, San Francisco, New Orleans, if Drew Brees happens to retire and the Saints want to use some assets to get Houston to trade Deshaun Watson away. Maybe the Patriots in search of a quarterback. Colin Cowherd earlier this afternoon was spreading some uh, ideas, and they seemed appealing to a Patriots fan. So we'll see what happens there. That's all I have to say right now about Deshaun Watson. If there's something big that happens, like he gets traded, obviously we'll cover it. We'll talk about it. Now I want to quickly move to the national championship. The national championship is set to be played on Monday. Fingers crossed on that one. I don't have much to say on the Twitter fiasco other than it's just good good drama for pregame. What Saban's daughter said is pretty funny. I don't have a take really on that. It's just... It's Twitter. It's, it doesn't hold much value in what we're trying to cover here. So, to me, this game is interesting. Because I think you could see multiple types of games being played on Monday. You either see a physical, punch-in-the-mouth type of defensive game, or it becomes a fireworks show. Justin Fields, Mac Jones could throw five touchdowns each. I think Ohio State, especially, could change their style up, because Trey Sermon can either run for 300 yards in like the Northwestern game, Or Justin Fields can go berserk and throw for six touchdowns like he did against Clemson. It's so many different things that can happen that I'm trying to think, maybe Bama wins if they do this. Ohio State has a chance if they do that. This is what I think. We're going to leave it really quickly because I want to get to the wildcard games. Ohio State wins in a defensive brawl, and Alabama wins in a shootout. Obviously, for Alabama, you have Devonta Smith, Najee Harris, so many weapons. Matt Jones, the captain of the ship. If they get going and Ohio State can't match what Bama's trying to produce, it could get ugly fast. But if Ohio State can find a way to keep them off the field, Trey Sermon run the football, it'd be a really entertaining game. And I think if it comes down to the quarterbacks, Justin Fields, 10 times out of 10, wins that matchup. And I think for Fields, more importantly, it solidifies his draft stock. Mac Jones, I feel like, is a late first-rounder at best because there's so many things that went right for him in Alabama. Later teams, do they really want to build around? Alabama quarterbacks so far haven't had the best reputation, and we're still waiting on the answer for Tua, but people like A.J. McCarron just hasn't really worked out. So we'll see how that pans out for Mac Jones, and this isn't about the national championship specifically, but he's played really well this year. And maybe he breaks that that trend along with Tua of Alabama quarterbacks stepping it up in the NFL and not just being a product of the system. If Mac Jones is going to go anywhere, I hope it's to a team where he can be mentored for a couple of years, like the Saints with Drew Brees. Even if Drew Brees doesn't decide to hang up his cleats, he could be a valuable mentor outside the field for Mac Jones. That would be my ideal spot, the Saints and Mac Jones. With Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, there's so many weapons for him. We're going all over the place, but for Alabama quarterbacks in the NFL, it hasn't really worked out. So this is Mac Jones' chance to prove me wrong and go to the NFL and be successful. But if we're going to talk about 
back to the national championship in my winner, I'm a little, I'm not very comfortable giving a prediction because I think there's a winner for different scenarios. I think if it's a battle of running game, Trey Sermon versus Najee Harris, or it becomes Justin Fields versus Mac Jones, or neither offense does anything in the national championship, which probably is the most unlikely of scenarios because the fireworks have been there all year for Alabama, and Ohio State is starting to find themselves. My most gut feeling, my gut feeling tells me, pick Alabama. Pick them by 10. But then part of me wants to go, I want to root for Justin Fields. I want to see him succeed. I want to see him healthy, for starters. I hope he can play on Monday. God, that's shot on Skowski. Man, ugh, I thought he cracked a rib. It, it reminded me of Drew Bledsoe. I know that we're going way back. But it reminded me when Drew Bledsoe got absolutely popped and he was in the hospital for a couple days. I thought Justin Fields was going to have to get escorted off the field. Their backup was going to have to come in and beat Clemson, which would have been an absolute disaster. Whew. God, Justin Fields. If you're an NFL team and you're watching that, Justin Fields didn't complain. He doesn't go, I was targeted. I was BS. He just kept his head down. He manned it out for the pain. Oh, my gosh. I don't. I definitely know I couldn't. And I know a lot of people in that situation could not gut it out like Justin Fields did. But I really respect him for it. And I think if you're an NFL team, that's leadership. That's toughness. That's grit. That's all you want in a team that's trying to rebuild. If you're the Jets right now, you're probably salivating at the mouth. You're like Justin Fields. We can, I'm okay with it. I, I don't view him as a consolation to Trevor Lawrence anymore. Like He's the silver medal to the gold medal in the Olympics. He's not there quite as Trevor Lawrence. And I know you're going to say, but Justin Fields beat Trevor Lawrence in a head-to-head matchup. But I think Trevor Lawrence, if you take it over... 34 games with Trevor Lawrence has won. He has shown more to me to be worth that number one pick. That's a whole debate for another time. We're going to talk about the draft, obviously, as it comes. And that more in-depth conversation will have to take place with Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. But right now, my gut says Trevor Lawrence won, Justin Fields two, and then the rest is a complete mystery. So for the national championship, I think... Alabama overall can win this football game. It's just a matter of what style do we see on the field? Who plays what? What's our matchup? All right, we're going to shift to the wild card games. We're going to start with the Ravens and the Titans. This is the Sunday slate of wild card games, and I'm so excited for these games, mainly because I think Saturday is going to be your defensive matchups. You're going to have really gritty games. You're going to have to gut them out to win them. This is just going to be an absolute show. And you start off with one of the more explosive offenses in the NFL, in the Ravens and the Titans. Lamar Jackson, former MVP winner. Derrick Henry, rushing title. He cracked a special group of 2,000 yards or more in a single season, which is insane to me. It's insane to me how these running backs did it with only 14 games. Can you imagine some of these running backs who got three extra games to work with? But... For me, I think Tennessee really struggles here in this game because Baltimore's obviously catching on fire. They've won five straight games to make the playoffs. They've been in playoff mode already. Tennessee didn't have to fight for anything this weekend. They were in a close one with Deshaun Watson and the Texans. So the Ravens, momentum-wise, have a lot going for them. 
And Tennessee's third down defense, it's atrocious. There's so many different Tennessee teams we've seen this year. We've seen them beat marquee opponents, but we've also seen them lose to the Cincinnati Bengals. So for me, it's can Tennessee not only score, which I think they can, can they get stops? Can they stop Lamar Jackson from being who he is? This is the most confident I felt about the Ravens going into a playoff game because Lamar Jackson's starting to pick up steam with the throwing game. If he can throw and the Titans can't stop him, this game's over. This game isn't worth anything to me other than just straight offensive, just sit back on my couch, relax, and watch the fireworks happen. I think for the Titans, if they can contain Lamar, it's going to be a more interesting game because their defense finally shows up. They're one of the worst defenses statistically. If it weren't for, excuse me, if it weren't for the Cowboys being such an absolutely atrocious defense this year, and I'm sorry to all Cowboys fans listening to this, I apologize. It's just how I see things and what the stats tell me. They're, it's pretty bad. But Tennessee is still really atrocious on defense, and they can't seem to get a stop to save their life. An example for this was against the Green Bay Packers, a Sunday night game where they got absolutely demolished in every facet of the game. But there was two third downs that I wrote down, and I was going to do a segment on the game itself, but things came up that I wanted to talk about. But I knew it would eventually come back. And they had an offsides penalty on a third down where they got, I think, a sack on Rodgers. And then there was, they got a stop on third and 15. The game was within three, and they could have gotten the ball back and momentum. But then there was a a legal shift or a hands to the face on a screen play. I was like, oh, come on, man. That's, that, that is my phrase for Tennessee this year. Come on, man. Get it together. Vrabel, you're the defensive guy. They brought you in to right the ship. And he's mostly done that. He's done a great job of getting Tennessee to be a consistent playoff team. It's just, uh, they're down defense, man. If you can't get off the field, especially against a team that runs the ball like, like the Ravens do, yikes. Ooh. But I still think Tennessee scores. I think the Ravens do almost too much for them. And I think the Ravens win this game 31-28. to It's going to be the most entertaining game of the day. And we get to see it first. So start off strong. When I return, we're going to talk about the New Orleans Saints-Chicago Bears game. And we're going to talk about Pittsburgh and Cleveland. And wrap it all up with the What's the Plan? This is your MWP, and I'll be right all right we are back i hope you guys are having a fantastic day man we have a great start to our show i can't believe the sean watson the way that's panned out the national championships coming i'm super excited about that titans ravens looks to be really fun let's talk about the bears and the saints the new orleans saints are 12 and 4 where the Bears are 8-8. Eight and eight. This is a game where the Saints are in it to win it, and the Bears are kind of, they're kind of shoved in by default to be the last team to be standing in the NFC. The Bears coming off a 35-16 loss to the Green Bay Packers. They've looked good, and they haven't looked good. The Bears on defense are absolutely fantastic. Khalil Mack, Leonard Floyd, there's so many different playmakers on Chicago's defense. That's the reason they're here. There's so many different ways that they can get to you. They can cause turnovers, create pressure. That's their edge against the New Orleans Saints on Sunday. I think for the Saints, it's pretty simple. You got to keep Drew Brees upright. You got to get Michael Thomas back in rhythm. 
Make sure Chimera is as strong as usual. Excuse me. <laughs> and for the Bears, I think it's pretty simple for Trubisky. If you can get him going and get him going fast, then this game becomes something... It becomes, it becomes interesting. There is a lot of talk about these playoff games, and you go, man, this is the one where I'm going to be on my phone the most. I'm going to be... This is my take-a-nap playoff game. I'm going to sit back and just wait for the Cleveland game to come on. This game's going to be a blowout. And while it very well could be, I think there's a lot of potential for this game. The Chicago Bears, if they get going on offense, they have a really, really good football team. They did start 5-0, and and personally, I think this team paired up against the Washington football team is a lot worse. I think Washington's offense is a lot more competent. Their front four is younger and faster. But Chicago has experience. They've been in these playoffs before, and they probably should have won against the Eagles. What happened with Cody Parkey will always go down in history, one of the biggest blunders in NFL playoff history. So the Bears can look to redeem themselves by playing a close game. I personally don't think that the Saints are going to be too worried going into this game, and they probably shouldn't be looking ahead and to focus on each individual game, because last year, everyone didn't give them a chance. The Vikings, no one gave them a chance against the New Orleans Saints. And they came out swinging, they came out punching. They had a formula with a limited quarterback in Kirk Cousins. Run with Dalvin Cook. Pass when you need to. Keep Drew Brees off the field. And they did actually a pretty good job of that winning that game in overtime. So, the Saints need to be careful here. I think as long as they take care of the football and the New Orleans Saints are efficient, this game will be over quickly. If this game becomes a track mate, Chicago's not winning it. Their defense is their lifeline. If that fails, then... There's not much else to say about this game other than it's going to be over pretty quick. All right, here's the Pittsburgh-Cleveland Browns game. I know we just quickly moved over the Chicago game, but I really want to talk about Cleveland for a second. Their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, tested positive for COVID-19, and that's pretty big. It's also very unfortunate. A lot of things I've seen, the Browns will Browns, even when they aren't really intentionally doing it. So who's going to call the plays? I don't know personally who's calling plays, but I watched an interview by Kevin Stefanski saying, we're still the same team. These guys know what we've done. We've played for 16 games. We have an identity. We're going to be that. Be, me being there is unfortunate, but the identity stays the same. A lot of analysts have tried to say that, oh, this is the game-changing thing that's going to happen before the game's even played. And I think for Cleveland, it's simple. They just need to play with no pressure. Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, Jarvis Landry. They just need to be the leaders that they are and take over this game. Baker Mayfield, he needs to be able to take care of the football, play within the system that he's been given. The Browns are so good at running the football with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I think Kareem Hunt's been able to, now you can't excuse him for what he's done, but he's been able to overcome his faults and become a really good complimentary back to Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb, man, no, nobody can stop him. He's like a train. He runs through people. He jumps over people. He glides through people. It is so much fun to watch the Browns offense when it's really at its peak. It's at its peak when you're able to run the football efficiently and Baker Mayfield's able to take play action throws over the top of the defense and make things happen that way. Now I think for the Steelers, this is a game where you could find yourself and be able to make a postseason run. Now, what... What do you mean by find yourself? But Grayson, they're twelve and four. Well, the Steelers started eleven and zero, and now they're twelve and four. They had a one and four skid to end the season. Many thought they were frauds. 
We didn't think they belonged on the field at some points. We've been very critical of them on this show. I think that the Steelers, this is their rebound game. And Big Ben needs to be a big part of that. I've been a fan of Ben Roethlisberger this year. Been able to have that comeback. He had a documentary coming out on how he overcame his shoulder injury. Or no, his elbow injury. Excuse me. And how that's impacted him in the offseason. How it's impacted his family. I think that's really powerful. And I think I hope for him that he's able to make a, at least a little bit of a playoff run before he runs into Buffalo or Kansas City. Meeting Cleveland would be a nice move, step forward for the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially with the team they have. They have a nice running roster. I'm sure Tomlin would like to keep them together with some progress. I think for the Browns, they just need to enjoy the moment. It's been 18 years since they've made the playoffs. There's not a lot to be excited for other than, hey, we're in here, we're in this moment. Let's just have fun and play what we do. Play like we always do. Stick to their identity. And for Mayfield, just take care of the football. And these big games, he's been known to make some poor judgment throws and throw balls that are not necessarily 50-50, but more like 70-30 on the other side, like the DB70, the receiver 30. I think that if you take care of the football, it's a really close game. But I think Steelers, they're back. They have a full team. Cleveland struggled against a almost preseason-like team. It was like watching... One coach, he has the starters in, he wants to see what happens, and then the other guy, it's preseason week three, he's like, I know what I have in my team, Big Ben, you sit out, TJ Watt, you sit out, let's wait for next time. It is next time, a week later, and it's always so hard to beat a team twice, and really hard to play them three times in the season. There was one time the Saints and the Panthers played in 2018, it's really hard, and it's really admirable for one team to be able to go 3-0 and against one team in an actual NFL season because there's so much tape on you. There's so much game film. There's always so many different things you can come up with. I think it's going to be hard for Cleveland, especially without a coach, when those scripted plays fall through. Can Cleveland be creative on offense? Can they be able? Are they able to make adjustments? That's their big key to this game. Despite all that, I have Pittsburgh winning 27-23. to it's going to be a really entertaining game and a great way to cap off the wild card weekend. All right, we're going to start, well, finish with what's the plan. So this first question comes from Alec, and it's what are your top running backs going into the 2021-2022 college football season? So let's start with some honorable mentions. I'm going to go with Tank Bigsby from Auburn and Lynn J. Dixon from Clemson. Now, Tank Bigsby had an excellent freshman season for Auburn. They struggled at times to be able to create points on offense, but I think Tank Bigsby comes back for a sophomore season with a new coach, a new identity. I think they're going to be able to have to run the ball, emphasize that. I think that's where Tank Bigsby comes in. Lynn J. Dixon is looking to fill the big shoes that Travis Etienne is leaving at Clemson and looks to go on and carry his own legacy as a great Clemson back. Whenever he comes in for ETN, he has a different style. He's not as quick, but he's powerful. He's able to get more elusive, you could say. And it's hard to say, whoa, why are you putting him at the honorable mention when he's a backup? But look at the guy in front of him. Travis ETN is absolutely insane. And Lin J. Dixon has performed well when he needs to come in and give ETN a breather. With a full slate of reps, Lin J. Dixon will succeed and do it fantastically. At my number four spot, we're going to do a top four. Isaiah Spiller for Texas A&M had over 1,000 yards on the season, nine touchdowns, and an SEC schedule. This was Texas A&M's big argument going into the college football playoff. We played an SEC-only schedule, kicked Notre Dame out. 
But I think Isaiah Spiller, should Kellen Mond come back, they're going to have a, an identity. Jimbo Fisher's got their guys. They're going to look to make a playoff run and avenge what they believe should have been theirs. So number three, I have Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame. Freshman running back who ran over 1,000 yards in his first year, and he led Notre Dame to the playoffs. I think the same thing goes for all these running backs. When they return, they're going to be the focal point of their offense. I think this is the same for Kyron Williams because Ian Book's going to the NFL draft. You don't know who's going to be the Notre Dame quarterback moving forward. So it leans a lot on Kyron Williams. He's going to get a lot of opportunities. I like him at number three. At number two is the explosive back Javante Williams out of North Carolina. He had an outstanding season, almost 2,000 yards, 19 touchdowns, and was able to lead North Carolina to the Orange Bowl. With Sam Howell coming back, it's going to be an explosive offense that looks to challenge Clemson in the ACC. Javante Williams is able to catch the ball out of the backfield and make so many big plays that you have to put him at number two. But at number one is the Heisman snub, Brees Hall. He is an absolute monster. Iowa State, over 1,000 yards. He led Iowa State to their first near six bowl in a, I think it's actually the first time in program history, you can correct me if I'm wrong, He's insane, and many people believe that he was a Heisman snub and is one of the top candidates going into next year. That alone for me is just showing how much of a value you are to your team and to the country when you're top five in Heisman odds going into next year, when it's usually a quarterback-dominated award. That trend, of course, was broken by Devontae Smith this year, who had an absolute monster season. Brees Hall will look to do the same and continue his campaign before he goes to the NFL. Now, my next question goes from Gracie. Her question was not a football-related question, but what is your favorite song of 2020? Well, I don't really listen to a lot of music that's, like, current. I like to listen to a lot of podcasts. Mainly why I'm doing this is because I listen to so many podcasts. Strong Opinion Sports, Pardon My Take, Colin Cowherd. If they're somehow watching this, it'd be insane. But when I listen to music, it's usually in the car with my brother, and he listens to a lot of rap music, and I like most of it. If you're watching this, bud. I complimented your music. There you go. But my favorite song of 2020 is Come and Go by Juice World and Marshmallow. I love the way Marshmallow... I'm, I'm trying to sound sports analytic when talking about music, but I love the beats that Marshmallow has in the song. It doesn't sound like a whole rap song. It's more like upbeat and like you can really get into it and stuff. It's It's great. I like it. But if I have any other music in 2020 that I listened to, it was a lot of Boston old music. I'm crazy for it. <sighs> All right. So that was our show for today. I want to thank you guys for coming by, seeing the content that we have. I really appreciate all the support that you continue to give. This is your MWP. Have a fantastic day. And as always, take care. Mm-hmm.